Welcome to the Talk Murder to Me podcast. My name is John. I'm sitting here with Jen and Nicole. We record live stream every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're getting back to that routine next week. It's been a little crazy with the holiday and everything else. You can follow us on any podcasting app, Talk Murder to Me. We release episodes Mondays and Wednesdays and sometimes Fridays now. If you like this podcast, check out her sister one, Among the Dirt and Trees. Brienne's doing a fantastic job. I think she had like 170 episodes or something like that now. So. So she's doing really good. And this episode is going to be a two-parter. But if you want to stick to the next part and continue with us today, just go to patreon.com slash talkmurder and become a supremo. That's our top tier. We'll be doing that one right after this one. And if funds are a little tight, don't worry about it. That episode will be out publicly available on any podcasting app on Wednesday of next week. And we do have two new tacos to welcome this week. Thank you, guys. We've got Delilah. That's my girl, Delilah. Delilah and Ronnie. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining. Delilah and Ronnie. Delilah, do you still do that uh, radio show? Hey there, Delilah. (laughs) No, no, no. It's that radio show. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. It's also the song. Yes. Hey there, Delilah. When she started working with us at the school, um, I like had to really. Oh, this is your friend? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. She. uh, (laughs) How do you know it's her for sure? I don't, I guess. Let me see the email. Delilah, we're so delighted to have you. Don't know. See, it might not be the same Delilah. Delilah and Ronnie, Jen's friend Delilah. That's that is and Ronnie is R A W N I Ronnie. What's up? Ronnie's from Ohio. Ohio. Got some more cool stuff coming in. I got a an HH Holmes action figure. I got two, one for me and then one for whoever wants it. It's really cool. If you would like to get that stuff, make sure you're a member. We got plenty of good stuff, a bunch mm-hmm. of comic books, old magazines, stuff like that. But anyway. Yeah, we, we got to try to pick up this uh, the trivia again. Um, I rely on you guys for the questions. So submit them to me and hopefully it like you can submit them all week long. Just private message them on the discord. And uh, hopefully next week I can have enough and we can do some more trivia rounds. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's get this thing going. All right. We've got a shot for Amanda today. Amanda. All right. Um, I didn't see a specific request, so I made one up for you. I'm starting to uh, feel the need to whittle the bottles down. So we've got a few that are like close to being tapped out. So I would like to finish. She, one, yeah. Every time we get close, she gets into this mode where it's just like we're just drinking. Let's whatever, just blend some whatever shit. it is that we have that we can go together or not go together and make our lives miserable. We're just going to experiment. We just so yeah, clean this, out the closet. This one's an Sorry, experimentation. Mama. Yeah. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Cheers, Cheers. Amanda. Oh, that was peach and um, apple? Peach and raspberry. No, it wasn't peach and raspberry. Peach and... That was not a bad combination, actually. Peach and what? It was peach and Jaeger. Mm, I can eat a peach for hours. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What up, everyone? This story, this is a crazy story. Get ready to have some extreme anxiety. This is a request from Martin. It is, oh man, it is something else. And this will be a two-parter, like I said. I'll put all these photos on talkmurder.com. I'm getting better at that. I've got the website better now. It works. Tonight, we're going to 129 East Market Street, Indianapolis, 8.15 in the morning, February 8th, 1977. 
This was nine or 11 years before I was born, depending on how math works in that situation. I'm not really sure. Wait. I, I was born in 1986. Yes. So it's either nine years or 11 years. I can't. We said 77? Yeah. Okay. That's nine. It took you a while. No. <laughs> Did you just you use a calculator? I just saw you use a calculator. <laughs> Call a cell phone, okay? My cell phone's in the kitchen. Good for you. Yeah, because I don't want to get yelled at. All right, tonight we're going to the Hall Hoddle building. This is it right here. It's no longer called that, but this is the building. It's called the Hall Hoddle. H-A-L-L dash hotel, but with another T. Hall Hoddle. Okay. I like to call hotels hotels. February 8th, 1977, 815 in the morning. A man named Dick Hall. He, that name rings a bell, right? The building's called Hall Hoddle. So Dick Hall. Well, I mean, like you can name a lot of things halls. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Dick Hall, the president of this building and the president of Hall Management Corporation and Hall Hoddle Corporation. How do you like become the president of a management corporation? Like it's naming it after yourself. You just make yourself a manager. Like what are you managing? Funds? I don't know. Sorry. Hall Hoddle. Well, I'll tell you what he's managing here. It's quite a name. Hall Hoddle. This is him. Ooh, well, who's that ghost child in the back? Well, he's not dead yet. No, but like... Uh, is behind that... the lake, behind his wife. And then there's another ghost child behind him. This is Dick Hall right here. This okay. is his wife, Ibby, I believe. I-B-B-Y. Let me describe him for you. He is a business type. He's wearing a suit, a tie. He looks maybe 45-ish, balding at the top. He has a very conservative look to him, and he he seems like he means business, but he also seems kind of approachable. Like he seems like he would, you know, drink a beer with you or whatever. So that is the president of this of this company and the building, basically the building owner. I'm gonna get to everything, the logistics here in a second. Mm -hmm. But he arrives at 8:15 a.m., which was 15 minutes late for an appointment that he had. This was his first appointment. He arrives late. He didn't mean to, but still kept this kept this man in the lobby waiting. The person waiting for him in the lobby was a man named Tony Karitsis. I'm going to show you him. You're going to see a lot of him later. So we're not going to okay. look at him now. Tony Karitsis, he is a client and Dick Hall has not seen Karitsis in the last six months, leaning closer to a year. Hmm. So since last February, he hasn't seen him. All right. Well, that's... That's weird. Now, the staffers in the building would later tell police that this man, Tony Karitsis, Tony, seemed really agitated. He has a sling on, so it's like he broke his arm, maybe, on his on his left arm. And he just seemed very, not nervous, but just real pissed off. Like something just really just grinded his gears, you know? <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. The last time Dick Hall has seen Tony was when him and his father were in a meeting and things didn't go too well. Basically, Dick Hall's father put Tony in a headlock with his bicep. Basically, Tony's a very short guy. So Tony was put in a, a headlock and thrown out. It was very violent. And now he's here six months later and he seems really edgy, really agitated. But for some reason, he had made an appointment. So, you know, Dick Hall's going to see see him. When Dick asked him, you know, what happened to your arm? He simply said that he uh, pulled it while he was pulling out stumps on a property, mm. you know, which makes sense. In his hand, he had a poster board roll up, which I used to do a little bit of real estate so but it's uh it's like blueprints for for a lot so it's is basically rolled up it's mm -hmm. you know this big or whatever so right. he has that in his hand and so obviously he's here for 
some uh, some interest on a property or something. Anyway, they go into a conference room and then Tony says, quote, Dick, open up those plans on and put them on the conference table, would you? Now, when Dick turned around, he, he opened up the plans as seen by everyone in the office. They know the plans were out. And when Dick turned around, he had a gun pointed right to his face. Oh, damn. Yeah. Tony don't play. No. He Did was, he have the gun h- hidden in the plans? Not this gun. He had another gun hidden in the plans. This is the pistol he had hidden in his sling. Oh. So. That's clever. So he probably wasn't hurt at all. He wasn't what? Hurt. No, he wasn't hurt at all. No, that was just a ruse. It's like a, a KFC bucket type of ruse. Th- at this point, it's completely silent. And no one really else in the, the office knows what's going on. It's still the beginning of the day. Meetings are about to happen, stuff like that. No one really understands what is going on. But then he says, quote, this is serious, Dick. You've done me wrong. And I'm going to let the world know what you've done to me. Now, before I get to the 911 call, because Tony, he has a hostage now. He, we don't know if he's going to kill him in the in the conference room right there. But he said, I want to show the world what you've done. You've wronged me. Hmm. And it was the, the sense like like a friend, like you. You've, you've you hurt me. You wronged me. You done you've me dirty. Done something to me. You've done me wrong, Dick. And now I'm going to let the world know what you've done to me. I'm going to show you a photo right now. We've done a couple of these before, and I love these. I think they're amazing. But this is a Pulitzer Prize winner. And oh, all these Pulitzer Prize winners. You could. It's like it's like seeing a masterpiece from an artist, right? Like the Scream, for instance. That that uh, Munch, your favorite. That very Edvard Munch or whatever. That very famous. When people see it, they don't have to be told it's a masterpiece. You just know. It's got something that it just draws you in. And that's the beauty about these Pulitzer Prize winning photos is because you can look through hundreds of these photos from this event and just this one really speaks to you and that's why it's it's a winner but this is the photo and then after i show you this then we're going to get into everything wow so as you see this is a pulitzer prize photo what you're seeing here and i'll put this on talkmer.com but what you're seeing here is a hostage situation you have dick hall his eyes are closed that's not a pistol to the back of his no neck. that's a rifle no, that's a, a sawed-off, double-barreled shotgun. Oh! If that thing was to go off, he his entire head would be blown off. It's a hostage situation, but look like there are microphones and reporters mm-hmm. there. Well, yeah, it, it got real, real quick. I'm going to go through everything of why the reporters are there, but I just wanted to show you the photo to set There's the stage. Sideburns. Because I'm going to tell you, hours and hours go by with this man held hostage. And this photo, the reason it's a Pulitzer Prize is because you can see the anger on Tony Koritz's face. He's the one holding the shotgun. You see the the look on Dick Hall's face, which is what? Eyes closed. Like he's trying to just dream. Like if I'm maybe if I'm just sleep dream, then I won't feel the blast type of thing. Or he's he, like he is, trying to keep himself calm, maybe. Yeah, is, I mean, for me, that looks more like he has a gun pointed to him, so he's trying to keep calm, but maybe... And and yeah. Tony is pointing his finger, so he's probably yelling at Dick Hall, so maybe that's like more of like trying mm. not to act in anger. That's what I get he's out of like it. He's like yelling at him at the same time. Yeah. Like, you do, you, you do this and I'll shoot. We'll talk about the reason why 
this is such a a stressful event because it's not just him pulling the trigger. There's other things that could happen. Let me show you one more photo. This is the colored version of the photo. This was obviously post edited and colored, but this is a kind of a cool little. Mm. So that's Tony Karitsis. You see a lot of people by him. Yeah. You see a ton of people behind him. They're police officers. They're reporters. Why can't they just just grab him away. I mean, look at look how look at that guy with his his glasses on and his his hands are crossed. No one is helping this man. Why are they going to let him just get his head blown off? There's so many people in that photo. Not one of those people have helped them. Mm. Why not? They're afraid. Dick, you've done me wrong. And I'm going to wire this shotgun to your neck. I got my finger on the trigger and it's wired to a dead man. This is what he would tell the media when they're asking. This is the sawed off shotgun. This is a dead man's trigger or dead man's line. And I'm going to explain what it is. If you see here and go to talkmore.com to see this photo, there's a loop. You see this loop? So you see a wire. There's some kind of metal wire here. There's a loop which fits around Dick Hall's neck. Basically choking him, but just enough where he can't he can't get it off, move it off, or or whatever. Because if he, even if he tries to move his neck or anything, it pulls the trigger. Correct. The wire is tucked under his collar, you know, so it doesn't completely choke him to death. Then that loop goes down, and it is tied around the trigger of a shotgun, which is loaded. This is a double barrel one two shotgun that has been sawed off. So this shotgun is a lot longer. However, he took a hacksaw to it and sawed it off. If it's too long, it it wouldn't fit right behind his neck. Basically, Dick Hall, with this wire around his neck, is tied directly to the trigger of the shotgun. But that's not what makes it a dead man's trigger. The thing that makes a dead man's trigger is that the trigger is also tied. This is the, the tie around Tony Karitz's finger. Now he is tied to the trigger of the shotgun as well as Dick Hall. So if so if Tony so moves, if, he kills if, both of them? Like let's say if a, if a cop, if a cop pulls him away, pulls Tony away or tackles him, boom. Psh, loud boom. This is a shotgun, sawed off shotgun, so the pellets are going to spread out, but guess what? Your head is right there. It will blow your head off. That's not just a saying. Your head will be blown completely off. And it will probably hurt or maybe even kill all those people around, too, because all the the pellets. And it may even kill him. All right. Very dangerous. Him being Tony? Yeah, Tony. There's a lot of ways that this could go wrong really quick. Number one, the police could interfere. They could tackle him. Boom, dead. They could try to pull Dick Hall away. Boom, dead. There's no safety or anything. It is an eight pound trigger and it's basically like this. And I'm holding my finger up. That's it. You're dead. You're freaking dead. Your your head is freaking gone. All right. Do you guys understand the dire situation here? Mm -hmm. If, If Dick Hall tries to run, boom, he's dead. If they trip, if they trip on their footing or over a branch or a rock, if they trip, Dick Hall is dead. Tense. Yeah. Not only that, but the the wire attached around Tony's finger. Tony is 45 years old and I'm 36. My hand spasms sometimes. If the, the hand starts to spasm and the finger moves not even an inch, this man's life is riding on Tony's hand. Isn't that nuts? Yes. This is a very, very tense situation. 
That is why he cannot do anything. That is why no one can do anything. Because you see the the wire here. Yep. He's dead. There's no way. There is no way he's going to make it out of this. I mean, you can't even have a deep, with that around your neck, like you can't even try to... I know. Breathe, like, try to breathe deeply to keep yourself calm in that sort of situation. Not only that, but you see handcuffs, too. So he's also handcuffed. Tony Kuritsis gets there, and he'll tell media... You know, this is this is it for me. This is my road. This is something to that effect. He'll say, I'm, I know I'm going to die. He told Dick Hall in public with everyone there. He's like, dude, you, you're going to die a very fast, painful death. But me, I'm going to die real slow when I get pumped full of bullets from every cop on the street. OK, mm. so that's what we're dealing with. Brandon says, nah, an eight pound trigger is pretty heavy. He's safe. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> now, they're still in the office. It's 815. Well, 82825. Brandon says he he knows the picture, but just not the story. Well, don't look it up. 825, they're in the conference room. Tony Karitzis picks up the, the phone and he calls the police. He calls 911. Why would he do that? Because he wants the media and um, people there to, to see because it makes the stakes higher. I'll put this 911 call on uh, talkmer.com. Is this the police? Yes, sir. This is a dire emergency. A real serious thing. I've just taken a prisoner. It's not a crank call. Lieutenant Joe Collins there. Hold on, I need to say something really quick because when he said just when they're like hello and he's like just a minute please it sounds like he's pulling up to McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I want yet. Give me a second. Notice how he's name dropping a lieutenant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of the cops are good friends with this man as they'll figure out. He's pretty well known. Not not really good friends, but they know him, you know. Mm -hmm. So here we go. What what problem you got? Where is he? He's working late shift, sir. He's off. Is, is Billy Cotton there? No. Well, then you give me the highest rank officer you got. Dick, stand up slowly. Dick, stand up slowly. Move that chair over about three feet. It's almost like he want he wants the person to hear that. Like, I th- yeah. this is kind of a bizarre phone call. All right. Like, why is he? Why would he make a phone call? Well, think about it. Why he wants people to know? Like, he- no. Well, yes, yes, he does want media attention. But why does he really? Why is he really trying to tell this officer what is going on? Because this man has a shotgun wired to his neck, and any interfering officer, he wants to tell this cop listen to me you need to tell all your all the squads and you tell them not to come near me or this guy's getting killed like this is that's why he's explaining this right okay we don't have any in here sir what's your problem like hey god damn it i've got a shot 12 gauge shotgun wrapped around a man's neck i've got a dead man lying on the trigger where are you at sir i'll send you some help uh don't listen please i i don't really disrespect police officers I'm a man that these people are trying to bankrupt. They have fucked me around for four years. Mm. Where are you at, sir? I don't really care. I'm not looking at best here. What is it? Now, the thing about it, officer, is I want this done my way. I'm not a bad fellow myself. Well, I know you are. I just want to find out where you are. I'm a mean motherfucker, and I'm mad. Mm. Now, I want you to send two police officers to this address, and I'll tell you what you can tell them. I've got a 12-gauge sawed-off automatic shotgun. I've got a dead man lying on the trigger. There's three shells of fucking gun. There's one in the chamber and a man with a gun on his neck. Wrapped around him with a cable. It's holding the fucking safety in his hand. And if anybody yanks on me, yanks that gun, makes a fast fucking move, we'll die right here. Wow. <laughs> this is intense. It <laughs> yeah. almost sounds like... <laughs> 
I, and I and I don't know if I'm wrong, but from that first listen, like obviously he knew what he was doing by rigging the gun that way and putting it around his neck. But also it almost sounds like, did I really mean to get into this situation? Yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah. Wolfie says suicide by cop. Yes, maybe. But remember, if they kill uh, Tony Karitsis and his body falls backwards, Dick Hall is dead. I mean, end of story. The setup. The wire was under the shirt collar. A sleeve was over the gun. Do you know why a sleeve? he put the sleeve over the gun? Anyone want to take a guess? Um, initially or while he had it on the... Yeah, so while it's on him, this thing is over this part of the gun. This this is a leather sleeve. It's over this part of the gun. Is it to muff the sound? No, he doesn't care about the sound. It's this wire right here. He is he is doing this so, let's say, some uh, sneaky, nifty detective or police officer or whoever has a pair of wire cutters and quickly just snaps that wire off. Now they can't because this is... Got it. The wire is under the sleeve. Gotcha. Okay. Now, it's hard to get all the police officers to understand the situation. Think about the... The police officers, how jumpy they are anyway. Even the rookies, right? Especially Especially, the rookies. So it's it's a very dire situation. Let's just say that. If you faint, stumble, try to run, or if somebody bothers me and I fall, this will blow your head off. Now he's screaming this and people are hearing it. All right, we're gonna break this down into movements. Movement number one, they're in the office. 30 minutes go by, they go to the elevator. However, the elevator doesn't work because the police have already cut the power. All right, we'll take the stairs. Now, this is the first time that this is going to come into play. They go walk down the stairs and blocking the bottom stair is a police officer. It's a female. And she has she has her gun pointed. He's blocking the stairs. So now shit's getting real. They're walking down the stairs. Tony is pushing Dick Hall. And you got to remember, if if one misstep happens, he's dead. Right. If, he, if he trips on a step or it was slippery or whatever, he's dead. This female police officer is blocking the path. So they get closer to her. They keep going down the stairs and she's just right there. She She's not moving. Another step. Real slowly. Another step. Another step. They get right to this female police officer. She's got her gun drawn and she's shaking. She doesn't know what to do. You know, is she going to is she going to just screw this whole thing up? They get right up to her and her right leg goes behind her and she just steps out the way. She steps out the way. So this is a first that's going to happen a lot. A police officer is there and can is powerless, is pa- completely powerless. They well, can't do anything but step out of the way. Yeah, because she's trying to preserve both lives. So not only does mm. Tony have this guy, this guy so paralyzed in fear, but he's bending the actions of the police, the entire police force. They get out of his way so it's, it's like it's, he's not just holding um he's not just holding hall hostage he's holding the entire indianapolis police department hostage as well mm. yeah also what's going to come into play is the media aspect all right this is 1977 this isn't tiktok 2022 what i'm trying to say is are they really gonna put live tv of a man's head getting blown off on live television like bud dwyer mm. part two yeah well bud dwyer they didn't know that was gonna happen true well they don't know if this is going to happen. Yeah, but they have at least a... You know, yeah, but here's the thing. Back in those days when, you know, journalists had... What was it called? Um, oh, oh, yeah, morals. So <laughs> they they didn't want to put that What's on that? there. You know, you'll hear when they put 
Tony on his audio on. You know, they're, they're wondering what to do with the F word. He cusses like a sailor. Yeah. Another new thing about this case is the, the media aspect. It's a dilemma. Should we be covering this? And also, should we give this madman this national spotlight? And if he gets what he wants, is he still going to blow the head off anyway? Like, what do we do? Like, what's the... And it's almost like by him calling the police officers in, like, did he actually want to kill Hall? Because you, I mean, at the point, a point, yeah. a po- the point where you had him with a pistol in your, in your hand and he didn't know that he was about to get killed, you could have pulled the trigger right there. Why go through all this trouble? Because he's been wronged and he wants the world to know. Okay. So 30 minutes go by. Now, this is 9 a.m. in the morning. And I'm going to show you a, a photo. There's media outside. This is actually him walking out. The The police go out first. The police go out first and they, they make an announcement. Okay, everyone, everyone, do not touch this man. Do not go in his path. Do not try anything. Do not do anything. So they go out first and then basically they let Tony corral down the side of the street in broad daylight with a shotgun wired to this guy's neck right it's the craziest thing you've ever seen yeah the plan the initial plan was tony he was going to get into his own car however when he got there he was so filled with just rage and how he got screwed over and uh, he actually broke the key off in the ignition trying to take the key out oh so now he's got to get a car he's going to take dick hall to his car and and his plan is to drive to another location if they can get there. But first, they got to get in the car. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing I want you to keep in mind is it's snowing outside. Not oh. snowing, but there's snow on the ground. Oh, damn. God, what if you said? <laughs> As you see in like this photo here, oh, you could see. <laughs> oh, that's all you need. Just one one tumble oh, look, look, the slush. Th- this is this. Look, this is slush. Honestly, this gives. Like, now I'm really getting anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, one, one. One little trip. I mean, shit, I slip on that shit all the time. Because it's when, not. When we have such precipitation right. down here. <laughs> now, keep in mind, it's not he's going to trip and then Tony's going to be like, ah, oh, fuck it. Pull the trigger. It's going to be by accident. It's automatic, man. Yeah. If he gets more than whatever, five inches away from or stretches that line out five inches, he's dead. End of story. I mean, even if it's a mistake, it doesn't matter. He's dead on national TV. And I'm going to show you the archive footage of this here in a second. So right now you have cops everywhere. Snipers, they're getting into place. Everyone's trying to figure out what to do. This photo right here, you see they got the sniper, all the snipers here. Mm -hmm. They're trying to figure out the best location where they can, I don't know, not do anything because if they take this guy out, then, you know, the hostage is dead. So the media keeps here and you'll hear this in the archive footage, but he keeps saying, watch your step, watch your step, just real slow. So they go real, real slow. They walk west on Market Street. And let me show you the Google Earth one more time. So uh, it took me a while kind of to figure this out. So they walk west on Market Street. So this is the front of the building here. They come down here, take a left, and then they're going towards the uh, Monument Circle. They take a left here. They go down this street, mm-hmm. and then they eventually turn here. Okay. Okay. They walk west on Market Street toward the Monument Circle, and then south on Pennsylvania Street. Here's some of the archive footage. And I'll put this on uh, talkmer.com. Oh, wow. I mean, look at this. They also have to keep the same pace. Yeah. Yeah. It's like busy. Yeah. Yeah, It's yeah. It's it's uh, the 9 a.m. in the morning. People are 
on their way to work. On, on their way to work. Yeah, you know, it's not stopping the whole town because of this. It's like everything is keep going. Everyone has to see this. Yeah, I know. Could you imagine just being a passerby? I'd be like, is this a joke or, you know? There is a video of one of the, the media cameraman. He's like, shoot him, shoot him. Talking to the, the cops, like, shoot this guy. I mean, obviously he doesn't understand what's yeah. going on. Let me go over, because a lot of people are wondering, well, he got screwed over, right? You know, is this, like, don't you want to know if this, I don't know. Is if it, it worth it? If it's yeah. worth it. Justified. Or justified. So let's, let's get that out the way. Okay. I'm going to kind of go over this quick, but Dick Hall is just a son of th- the man who started this whole business. Right. His name is Millard Hall. Millard Hall had three sons and each one of his sons, including Dick Hall being the youngest, has taken over an arm of his business, the Hall Empire. In 1930, he met this man named Henley. This is Father Millard Hall. Mm-hmm. Met this man named Henley, and they partnered together. This is in 1930. The original business was real estate, residential, and insurance type things, but later grew into construction to not only real estate, residential, but now commercial and insurance. So there's basically three arms here. And there's a mortgage one too, uh, Meridian Mortgage. As you'll see, it's the mortgage that screwed him over. Okay. So, but and Dick Hall isn't even in charge of that. He's just in charge of the the real estate aspect. It's two separate entities, right? They're, they're just yeah. different arms. In 1972, Tony applied for a loan with the father, Millard Hall, and Dick was there as well, but mostly Millard. Millard loved Tony, this guy. He thought he was... You know, just that working man, but, you know, kind of always never really winning, but he's got these ambitions and, and Miller, the father, just really wanted to see him succeed. Right. And he was rooting for him and helping him out. He was a mentor to him. Anyway, Tony applied for a loan of $110,000. He wanted to build a 17-acre lot for this piece of land that he found. It's an L-shaped lot. And I think this is it right here. Now, it is built up now, but I I tried to find the exact location. But it's basically a piece of property, 17 acres. It's shaped in an L right by the interchange, the 485. And he wanted to sell it or, uh, you know, put a, a super center there or whatever, right? So it's it's like over here next to this uh this big interchange. I think it was right. It's one of these. I can't remember. But it was just like a little property, something like this. That's L shaped. He wanted to put a a strip mall in there, rent it out or whatever. That was the plan. However, five years later, now he's saying he got screwed over. The land already had an earlier commitment of sixty three thousand dollars on it that has to be paid. That's how that's how land transfer works. So now he has to pay $173,000 for this land. The father made the deal, but all his sons and even the board uh, opposed the the deal. They didn't think Tony was going to be able to pay. And Tony didn't have any income coming in. Okay, He just had a dream. Still, the father was like, no, I believe in him. I'm going to help him out. We're going to get this, yada, yada, yada. Big ambitions, but but no real plan. He took him under his wing, and in about five years, the land it kept going through extensions. They were like, "All right, Tony, man, you gotta pay, you gotta pay this mortgage because right now we're on the hook for it." They kept extending it one year, two year, three year. Finally, they're like, "No more, no more. You have to pay this off by March first, nineteen seventy-seven, or it is ours." I want to say that Tony is the type of guy that thinks everyone's out to get him. He's very emotional and very paranoid, but that's not the case from what I, from my research, because they weren't out to get the land. Two separate entities, big companies, approached Tony and offered to buy the land outright. Tony was about to make a huge profit. 
one company, the Jewel Company, which is like mini shops and this, that, and the other, offered Tony $500,000 for this piece of land. He wow. paid one hundred seventy-three, mm-hmm. dollars And he, he may have been thinking, oh, you know, I, I'll take this, but then the halls are going to take it away. That's not how mortgage works. Right. You just had to pay off the loan. You just got to, had to pay $173,000, or excuse me, $110,000 to them. down payment. Plus all, yeah. you know, plus the whatever, the uh, premiums or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's still going to make $350,000. He turned it down. Wow. He said, and one person said about Tony, quote, he has a Greek sense of owning his land down to the very core of the earth. Mm. He refused to sell it. So March 1st, 1977 comes around. Guess what? We have to repossess his land. We have this as a huge loss on our balance sheet. We have to try to sell it. And that's that is basically how this came about. So that six months earlier, when Dick Hall was in there and saw his father throw out this man, mm-hmm. it was because they were at yelling at each other. The guy, uh, his father was like, you need to take this offer. Take this offer. Take the it's money. Like, that's a huge profit. Yeah. Take the money. We're not taking any of the money from you. You just take the money. And pay and, them back. Yeah, and pay us back and then, and then try something else. That's how it ended. Six months go by. And I hope that's a good enough brief summary for you guys about how. So pretty much here. this guy defaulted on his mortgage and was upset about the fact that they had to sell off the land to get the money I mean, back. And that's then, what happens, yeah. right? Like ultimately when you buy a house, the whoever is lending you the money because mm-hmm. you can't afford, most people can't afford the couple hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. for the property or the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so if you can't pay... That's what happens. You default and the person who was paying your loan takes possession. Exactly. That is how it works. Like, (laughs) I mean, I understand that that is upsetting if if you can't, but that's what a foreclosure, you know. And that's why, like, especially like when I bought my house, you have to take a course on um, like being a first time homeowner and what the deals, what the details about the mortgage are. And you have to learn about all these terms and stuff. It's not like. You just, you know, that's why there's a, there's, that's why there's like a whole process before you buy a house. It's not you like get, you have to get approved mm-hmm. for your loan and it's, all that stuff. It's yeah. different than going to the store and buying a coat because you can pay $35 for a coat right there. But, you know, you got to make sure you understand you know, everything before you go into a deal like that. Now, the difference is the interest rates were v- much higher mm-hmm. in the 70s. I mean, I know the interest rates are high right now, mm-hmm. but in the 70s, I remember like talking to my mom and my aunts about this when they were buying their first homes. Sure, housing prices were much lower. lower. But the interest rates they were paying, you know, 17, 19, 20 percent interest in mm-hmm. the 20s per- percent interest rate on their houses. Um, and so that that may have been where he was like really struggling with yeah. the pay, you know, with the payments, the interest rate. Was yeah, but he had he has a mentor that is like, dude, take yeah. the, take this deal. Yeah. Like this deal's here. You can. Yeah, and you're going to make a huge profit from it. So basically, he he got a loan that he couldn't pay back. He had no income coming in and he waited a few years and now he could make three he basically put nothing into this and so and besides no, his signed name and got 300 and could get three hundred fifty thousand dollars in profit you said, that is to me is like an investor's dream you yeah, buy something yeah. you hardly put anything into it you get three hundred fifty thousand dollar profit which I is mean, like almost almost three times the amount that you pay that's for the property crazy, like yeah. that's a crazy good return if you have no other mechanism to see a way out of that property or pay 
hell yeah, you take that all day long and you have a whole lot of money for your next investment. Mm -hmm. So Tony wasn't, he's not, uh, he's not a logical man. So he, he's very emotional, as you see. You'll see later that Tony, when he'll tell the media here coming up, that he knew that he was going to get screwed over as soon as he signed the, the agreement. It's like, then why would you sign it? But uh, we'll talk about that. But that's that's him. That's just he just thinks everyone's out to get him. Uh, kind of so like very I, depression mindset. It is the Great Depression. I am having like a hard time sympathizing yeah. with him. Well, maybe you I, know what I mean? maybe I shouldn't have broke that too early. But you know, no, like, am I supposed to? I mean, I understand. A lot of like, people do. Yeah, I understand that it's. You know, like there were, we've lived through hard times. I mean, we 2008 was certainly not while we were in the workforce necessarily to experience. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like the terms are the terms are the terms. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people do. I will talk about that later. A lot of people do have sympathy. And, you know, it's we'll see. It's almost similar to the what's currently going on with the student loan um, Biden giving twenty thousand dollars to the people who signed off on the student loans and someone who has student loans like I'm, I I understand what there are a lot of people that are upset about it because it's like you signed you signed a loan like you intended to pay this back when you when you signed for the loan um and you know a lot of people especially people who you know are in the other older generations are like this is this is not right that you get you know but someone who has student loans i i feel like i'm in a tough spot because it's like well yeah like obviously i know that i was going to be in debt but like if he's going to give us twenty thousand dollars that's twenty thousand dollars so i don't know it puts us in a rough place kind of empathize and sympathize i don't know i don't know how to feel about it but i mean it's kind of hard i I had student loans so my but they're paid off. Yeah. So I'm penalized for paying them off. You said penal. I mean, that's, a, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of a big, like, fuck you for, yeah. <laughs> for actually paying off the loan yeah. that yeah. I was supposed to pay for. Uh, and then, I don't know, you kind of, you're starting to see, I think, some of the signs of what's going on in the economy. Like mm-hmm. the 1200 bucks and the 2000 bucks was great mm-hmm. when we got it um, at the start of the pandemic. Oh, but and yet now, now we're at the start of a potential recession. Yeah. So. Like, ooh, that sucks. Free money isn't all it's cracked up to be. You know, there is cost too much. There is a uh, for you guys that do have student loans and can't get them paid off. There is a program. I think it's called a pay pay from the pole. So basically you stop. You become a stripper. And then the dollar, the crumpled up dollar bills. That's what you use to pay your student loan. There you go. (laughs) Does it also include like a steam cleaning service for the bills? To like, you know, uncrumple them? No, the point is you throw them at the the lender in his face. Uh. All right. So this is Tony reacting to good Samaritans. This one guy is a police officer. He's also a hostage negotiator. You can see the way... He pushes his hands out like I'm, I'm unarmed. I'm here to talk. This is the, the first instance of that and how Tony reacts to it. If I was in bed with you, I'd have pulled these fucking head off. Now get back. What's your fucking name, you dumb motherfucker? Get back. Crazy, right? Yeah. What's your name, you dumb motherfucker? Like, he, you think he is a little emotional and agitated? No. <laughs> The thing that stinks, I think, (laughs) is that this isn't even the the main guy. This is the son of yeah of the yeah. You know, it's not like. He was the one who, who did it. Tony is parading him through the street. Tensions are high. They don't go to Dick Hall's car because Tony spots a police car that is idling with the door open. The key's in the ignition. 
Now, Tony is going to attempt to have Dick Hall drive while Tony is in the passenger seat. So think about how they got to get in. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. Like how if they can even get there. So he's got basically to open or the driver door is open. Tony's got to get in first and then kind of shimmy over and hopefully it doesn't go off. Tony spots his car so they walk over there. However, there's some slush in between. Mm. Yeah, so tensions are extremely high at this point. Tony sees the cop car and the keys are in the ignition. He tells Dick, you need to walk real slowly over to this car, step by step. And how it happens is Dick Hall steps on some slush ice, his legs shoot out in front of him, and he falls. Oh, no. Which results in Tony falling as well. And then, like we said earlier... Oh, it's already been an hour. We'll, we'll do that on the next episode. Oh, my God. Are you serious? What? It's, we record for an hour, and then we do the next episode. Well, You had to know that that's what he was going to do. I forgot we were doing a part two, and I'm like... I, I he, like waited to take a I, sip of my no, drink. To be honest, when he went into that, I was like, he's going to cut this off because that's just who he is. And how is he going to do a part two if he tells us now? So Dick Hall does slip on the ice. And unfortunately, since it, you know an hour has gone by, we got to put this on part two. If you if you want to stick around, go to patreon.com slash talk murder and, and you can join us for that episode. If not, it'll be out on Wednesday and we'll finish it up and and uh, you know we'll talk about how, how this thing plays out, if you will. But my name is John and until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. 